I fear not the dark itself, but what may lurk within it. Welcome to Lurk, bringing you creepy, strange, and bone-chilling stories with your host, Jamie Jackson. lurkers welcome to this week's episode because y'all seem to really love the missing 411 type episodes i have another one for you depending on how long this one case is running i might throw in a second one who am i kidding of course i'm going to throw in a second one especially because they are in a way linked to each other and honestly i don't think it's going to take very long to tell you about either one The first one takes place in Utah, in the Uinta Mountains. If you follow a lot of different paranormal topics, the Uinta Mountains might sound a little familiar. That's because the Skinwalker Ranch is located in the Uinta Basin, which is about three hours southeast of the Uinta Mountains. Close enough, in my opinion, to matter, because the Skinwalker Ranch is one crazy place. If you aren't familiar, check out episodes 9 and 10 for the Lurk two-part episode on Skinwalker Ranch. Heads up that we'll be revisiting that topic in the future. I'm not sure when exactly, but it it is going to uh, be revisited. So this missing person case we're going to talk about today takes place in the Uinta Mountains, as I said, and the Wasatch National Forest in northern Utah specifically at Kuberant Lake Number 1. The Wasatch National Forest encompasses 2.2 million acres in northern Utah and southwestern Wyoming, and it receives about 9 million visitors annually, making it one of the most heavily visited forests in the nation. The lake is in a deep basin, located at 10,426 feet above sea level. Mount Marshall sits in the south sits to the south of the lake at an elevation of 11,300 feet, and to the east is another mountain standing at around 11,000 feet, leveling out and then dropping in a steep cliff. Basically, Kuberant Lake is surrounded for the most part, except for about one-third of it to the west, where the entry and exit points to the lake are located. The name Kuberant comes from a Ute word meaning long, There are other lakes in that area as well. Seven total Kuberant lakes, basically named Kuberant Lake Number 1 through 7. And there's a few other lakes. In fact, that entire region has lakes dotted all over the area, totaling into the hundreds. The area is about 50 miles east of Salt Lake City, Utah. In August of 2004, Boy Scout Troop 694 set out to camp at Kuberant Lake on Thursday, August 19, 2004, and planned to stay through Saturday, August 21st. The group consisted of around 19 scouts and 7 adults, and they were camped at campsite number 4, only about 150 to 250 yards from Kuberant Lake. They parked at the trailhead and had to hike to the camping area. The trail to the camping areas around the lake is about three miles. Day one was uneventful. 
and on Friday, August 20, 2004, one of the scouts, 12-year-old Garrett Bardsley, and his father Kevin, got up early to head down to the lake to get a jump on the fishing. Garrett was the youngest of four children, and his older brother was also on the camping trip as a member of the Boy Scout troop. Garrett loved scouting and the outdoors, and had taken a wilderness survival course offered by the park. He had also been a member of the scouts for a few years. It was about 8 a.m. in the morning when the duo went down to Cooperant Lake to try to catch something for breakfast. Of course, Garrett, being a typical 12-year-old, I assume, managed to get his socks, shoes, and pants wet. I'm assuming, based on my experiences as a 12-year-old fishing, and in having a 12-year-old boy and being a scout leader, if there is water, someone is going to get wet. Garrett told his dad that he wanted to walk back up to camp to change out of his wet things. He told his dad he wouldn't be long and he'd be right back because he really wanted to try to catch a fish for breakfast. I can tell you as a scout leader, one of the biggest rules is to use the buddy system. This means you have two to three scouts paired together and they travel together. In the pool, they are in a buddy pair or group. This means there is always someone there to help or to get help if needed. Always another set of eyes. But in this situation, with Garrett down at the lake with his own father, the father decided to let Garrett go ahead and head back to change. The campsite was just about 150-ish yards away, and Garrett and his dad had just walked down the path to the lake. It was a well-defined path, and they had actually walked it a couple of times since they had arrived to camp. Garrett headed back, carrying his fishing rod, and just in case, Kevin, Garrett's dad, watched him as he walked around the lake and even shouted directions reminding Garrett which path would lead him straight back to camp. There were a couple of reports that said a few minutes after Garrett was out of his father's eye shot, his father heard what he thought was someone yell dad. Kevin Bardsley then walked along the path a bit to investigate, but did not see or hear anything further and went back to the lake to wait for Garrett. After about 20 minutes, Kevin Bardsley began to wonder what was taking his son Garrett so long, so he went back to camp thinking he might meet up with Garrett along the trail. But he didn't meet up with Garrett, and when Kevin got into camp, he discovered that Garrett was nowhere to be found, and no one at camp had seen him. He had never made it back to the campsite from the lake. A search started immediately with the scouts looking and being joined by the local law enforcement and search and rescue teams. The searchers included volunteers, search and rescue personnel, horse teams, 10 Rocky Mountain Rescue Dog Teams, and three American Search Dog Teams. The searchers first went into high probability areas in a two mile radius of the lake. By Sunday, August 22, 2004, there were over 200 volunteers and search and rescue teams who worked into the night. The weather conditions worsened and temperatures dropped to 33 degrees three nights in a row with snow and rain. Helicopters and planes were also involved in the search. Tuesday, the search began focusing on steeper and more rugged terrain. By Tuesday, 
Wednesday time frame, searchers were looking for an unresponsive person because of the drop in temperature. By day five of the search, it was then considered a recovery operation and not a rescue. They found a Nike brand white ankle sock in a boulder field less than a mile from where Garrett went missing. Garrett's mother identified it as being his, but a searcher later came forward to say the sock was theirs, having changed out of wet socks during the search. I don't think there's any deception going on here. Nike's a pretty common and popular brand of shoe and sock, so I'm pretty sure that the searcher and Garrett probably did have the same kind of socks. During the following week, the effort was scaled back to 50 professionals on foot and on horseback. The temps had dropped as low as 18 degrees. By the next weekend, more searchers arrived. On Saturday, August 28th, there were over a thousand searchers. Some had even come from across the country. The search ended on August 29, 2004, though officials said they would continue to return to the area monthly and would also ask hikers and hunters to keep an eye out for the remains of the boy. Because at this point, with temperature drops and rain and snow, he most likely would have succumbed to the elements. Though the official search had ended, family and friends, and even some total strangers, continued to search. Though they weren't professionals, the search was conducted using search and rescue techniques. The area was broken down into grids, and they were searched by teams of three using handheld GPS units. Other than the sock that was later found to belong to a searcher, no sign of Garrett was found, not even the fishing pole he had with him. Also, the dogs that were there, the, the several different dog teams, none of them had any scent hits of Garrett. At the time of his disappearance, Garrett was 12 years old, about 5 feet tall, and weighed about 105 pounds. He was wearing a black hooded Quicksilver pullover sweatshirt, reversible Nike sweatpants, one side was red silky fabric with a black and white stripe on the legs, and the other side was black mesh with a red and white stripe on the legs, white Converse shoes with either a black or navy star on the sides. Though photos of him show that he had braces, at the time of the disappearance, he no longer wore them. He had light brown hair, hazel eyes, and his hair went to his shoulders. The family had a memorial service for Garrett on November 27, 2004, and invited all who had searched or prayed for their son. A second massive search was conducted nearly a year after Garrett went missing, on August 4th through 6, 2005. The family and volunteers searched three areas, Kuberant Lake, Meadow Lake, and Weber Basin. There were over 1,500 volunteers, including 30 prisoners. Nothing was found on this search either. In looking at this case, many pointed out that it was odd that Garrett would just walk off somewhere. He was familiar with the area and the wildlife and the trail to camp was a very well-defined one. He had also been up and down the trail more than once because they had started camping the day before. The possibility of animal attack is pretty low. 
the black bear population was fairly low, nearly non-existent, until about 2012. Mountain lions were in the area, but not often seen, and there were no reports of any issues with mountain lions or known attacks on humans. There are moose in the area, and moose are certainly incredibly dangerous, but not carnivorous, so while a moose might kill a person, they aren't going to dispose of the body. If there was an attack, there would have been evidence. Blood would have been present, perhaps signs of a struggle, but most obvious, the fishing rod would have been found. Abduction by a person was ruled out, and I pretty much agree with that. It was nearly three miles to the parking area, so someone would need to keep a kid dead quiet and keep them hiking for three miles to a car, or carry 105 pounds of kid three miles. It seems unlikely that someone would look for a kid to take in such a rural area, especially when there were other, easier locations not too far away. So where did he go? After Garrett disappeared, the family formed the Garrett Bardsley Foundation that aids other families who have people go missing. Kevin Bardsley, Garrett's father, also built a school in Ecuador in Garrett's name. Garrett's brother earned his eagle rank and had his court of honor there at Kuberent Lake. No sign of Garrett Bardsley has been found to this date. No clothing, no remains, and no fishing rod. And that brings us to our next case. And as I mentioned, they are kind of related in that we have another Boy Scout. This case also takes place in the Uinta Mountains of Utah, and only about 15 miles from where Garrett Bardsley went missing. 11-year-old Brennan Hawkins was camping with 1,400 other Boy Scouts on a weekend camping trip at Bear River Boy Scout Camp. Friday, June 17, 2005, around 5.30 p.m., Brennan had just finished climbing a rock climbing wall and was, re and was removing his climbing gear. Brennan was slow getting out of his harness, and his buddy yelled, Catch up with me, and ran for the mess hall for dinner. Remember, one of the big Boy Scout rules is that everyone needs to have a buddy with them. You are not supposed to leave your buddy because they are slow. Others in the area saw Brennan there removing his harness, but that was the last time he was seen. Brennan only had to walk a quarter of a mile down a familiar scout road that he had traveled on several times. But Brennan didn't show up for dinner. At 6.30, an hour after Brennan had finished climbing, the scout leaders began searching for him. At 9.45 p.m., the scout leaders were joined by the Summit County Search and Rescue. The next day, Saturday, there were about a thousand searchers. These searchers included Kevin Bardsley, the father of missing scout Garrett Bardsley. The Garrett Bardsley Foundation that Kevin started in memory of his son paid for an RV with a computer, maps, heavy-duty lights, whistles, two-way radios, foghorns, and other items that could be used during a search. Because of what Kevin learned in his search for Garrett, he was able to quickly organize a volunteer search party numbering into the thousands. 
On Sunday, local churches canceled their services to allow parishioners to join the search. 3,000 searchers, including people on horseback and ATVs, were looking for Brennan. There were also helicopters involved in the search, including one that searched in the night with infrared equipment. During the search, exposure was not a big concern because the low temperature was in the 50s. The biggest concern was that Brennan had somehow fallen in the river. Two swift water dive teams searched miles of the river on Sunday. Three socks and a sandal were found in the river, but none of them were Brennan's. There was also a pickup truck bed full of articles of clothing found by searchers that Brennan's family had to sort through to see if anything belonged to him. Nothing did. On day four of the search, which was Tuesday, just before noon, Forrest Nunley, a 43-year-old house painter, was looking in an area outside the search area when he found Brennan alive, standing in the middle of the trail, wet and muddy. He was found near Lily Lake, about five miles from camp. Though Forrest Nunley stated that Brennan was muddy and wet when found, search and rescue officials said that he did not cross any river and wasn't wet. Brennan himself said that he drank from streams during the time he was missing, so it's curious that officials were pushing for the details that he was dry and not wet and muddy. It was determined that Brennan most likely immediately took a wrong turn and began walking towards the tent camping area instead of the mess hall. He then followed a steep trail out of a narrow river valley. Other than being slightly dehydrated, Brennan was in good health. He did not remember most of the four days he was missing, and his parents did not want to pressure him into talking about it. But Brennan did reveal a couple of things to them. Brennan did not think he had been missing long. He thought he had only been gone for one or two days, not the four days he was missing. He also had no memory of going camping with the scouts, and really no other memories of anything else. He said it was just a blur to him. As I mentioned in this episode, the BSA has systems in place to try to prevent this type of thing from happening. All scouts are supposed to travel with a buddy or within a group of three, including when you're doing activities like swimming. And and buddies are to stay with each other and be aware of each other's location. In the event of an emergency of any kind, they will then always have a person there to help if needed. In the instance of Garrett Bardsley, I can see where it's a difficult situation to police. He's with his dad, and his dad has allowed him to go on his own back to the campsite. As a scout leader, I'd say it is important to stress to parents that no child, even their own, should be allowed to travel alone between areas. I know I would not want to be the leader in charge on a trip where someone had disappeared. Though it actually did happen to our troop once where two boys went missing during a campfire program at night at one event. Thankfully they were found back at the campsite and they stressed to the adults that they had stayed together with their buddy but they had failed to let us know where they were headed. Thankfully that ended in a positive note. And with that that's going to do it for this episode of Lurk. 
You can find Lurk wherever you find your favorite podcast, because of course, Lurk is on your favorite podcast list. You can also find episodes at lurkpodcast.com, along with links to the social media accounts. If you have a topic suggestion, please send it to me at lurkpodcast at yahoo.com or through any of our social media accounts. I want to make sure that we're covering topics that lurkers are interested in, so please feel free to share your ideas. And until next time, keep lurking. Keep lurking.